You're listening to Tech 15, a Viva Technology podcast on the digital revolutions shaping our future. This season is sponsored by Manpower Group and looks at how technology plus talent will power the world of work and human resources. Each 15-minute episode is recorded live in person at Viva Tech, Europe's biggest startup and tech event in Paris. Hello there and welcome to a brand new series of Tech 15 brought to you by Manpower Group. Now I'm your host Emma Crosby and in this series we're going to be exploring tech talent, how to discover this talent, how to attract it and how to build it. Along the way we'll be hearing from business leaders who are adopting bold talent strategies to get ahead. We're recording right here in Paris at the VivaTech annual event, caught up in the action as thousands of business and industry professionals join to showcase our tech future. In this episode, we're focusing on where to look for hidden talent. Since companies are all competing to recruit from the same pool of talent, how can you broaden the range of candidates and build a more diverse tech workforce? Coming up, we'll be hearing different industry perspectives. But first, allow me to introduce my co-host, Becky Frankowitz, Chief Commercial Officer and President of Manpower Group North America. Good to see you again, Becky. Nice to be back. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about this fantastic survey that, that you have done alongside Experis. Um, why is it so important for companies to unlock new sources of tech talent? Yes, we're sitting in unprecedented times in terms of a supply shortage, both a supply of workers, but also a talent skill shortage. And so it's hitting us from two dimensions. It is crucial for us to find and engage talent wherever it exists and truly broaden our definition um, of talent in many cases. What is wrong then with traditional ways of sourcing tech talent? Yeah, so tech talent and talent in general, to be honest, the way it traditionally works is employers put filters on this is the kind of talent that I want to uh, you to go pursue in the marketplace, that I want to find in the marketplace. And those traditional filters when it comes to technology have dramatic impact. I'll give you an example. I'm looking at data scientists in the U.S., this is a USA example. If you put a filter of three years experience required, you lose 50% of your available candidate pool, 50%. If you add one skill filter that is common, commonly sought in the USA, Python, with three years experience, you lose 75% of the available candidates. And so this traditional view of, I'm going to put these restrictions, these requirements on talent, uh, cannot be used in today's very limited supply environment. So what should employers be doing? We have to broaden the aperture. We have to do two things. We have to become creators of talent versus consumers of labor, which is, speaks to upskilling and making sure to unlock the middle, unlocking skills, teaching people new capabilities. I and mean, we also have to open our aperture around requirements. Do we really need three years of experience in the technology space where skills are moving at the pace of technology? Experience from three years ago is outdated today, and yet still, most requirements that employers write start with a number of years of experience instead of the skills that are needed, including soft skills that are needed, communication that is crucial as tech becomes more central to companies. And so really reevaluating the requirements for a job of what's desired in the past versus what's required today. Another way employers are expanding the aperture and creating a larger talent pool is by including refugees. 
Well, I'm delighted now to welcome Theo Skubler, co-founder and CEO of Each One, which has created a program to help prepare newcomers for jobs. Theo, it's such a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you so much for, for talking to me. Um, tell me a little bit more about Each One. So Each One is a mission-driven company was in fact a double mission. First, it's to enable refugees to find a job up to their expectation. And then we also enable society and the companies to recruit those talents that will make them stronger. And now we are in a phase that we need to industrialize. And so we engaged and we committed to enable a bit more than 10,000 people to find a job in the next two years. Which is a fantastic goal to achieve, and I'm sure you're going to achieve it. Let's dispel the myth, shall we, about refugees and refugee communities. When you meet refugees, what impression do you get in terms of capabilities, qualifications, ambition in life? I say, whatever the qualifications, there's one thing that they all have in common is motivation. I mean, it's natural, it's natural. They just want to bounce back and just continue their lives as they started it in their country. So they're looking for continuity and contribution. At Viva Tech, we're talking an awful lot about the supply-demand imbalance. Lots and lots of tech jobs available, but not enough people to fill them. Is there a great opportunity here, do you think, for the people that you train to go into this industry? And what is interesting with refugees is that their willingness uh, of mobility and of uh, getting trained helps fill some of those gaps. For example, for the job of data analysts, uh, we are training more and more people. We, we just trained 45 people since the beginning of, of the year. And, and now we just double it for the second semester because we see that, in fact, everybody is volunteer to, for example, uh, come from a business background or a financial background or a marketing background and then get retrained so that they can apply their knowledge and transfer them to new tech jobs. And that's what tech enables, uh, the transfer of competency. It enables mobility for talent that comes from tech, of course, but also are coming from different backgrounds. How do we change then the status quo of talent acquisition in tech? So I think there is a major realization to have is that today recruiters don't see yet different talent as a true value adding assets. And the first thing we did is, is that we, we chose to position refugees as an unexpected value and potential. continue our discussion now on where to look for hidden talent to build a more diverse workforce. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome onto this podcast, Clarisse Mignon, the managing partner of France uh, for McKinsey. Clarisse, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. And I have to say massive congratulations as well for you. I know you're newly into your role from six months or so now, and the first woman to lead McKinsey in France. Congratulations. Thank you. How is it going? Listen, it's a great honor. And uh, I would say so far so good. Pretty intense, but very exciting. And I've been feeling uh, really great about the role so far. And you are a role model. And you're also, I know, incredibly passionate when it comes to diversity and equality within the workforce, particularly when it comes to recruitment for tech and tech workforces. So how do companies attract diverse talent? So I think we first need to be uncompromising in the hiring process to really get 50% women in the pipeline. But of course, we want to attract different types of diversity. It can be, you know, ethnicity, sexual orientation, but it's also the different type of educational background because people need to fit in with different skill sets. 
So tell us a little bit more about within McKinsey, what kind of tech roles are you recruiting and what, tell me about your recruitment strategy. So we now have 5,000 tech people in the firm and over the past 25 years we moved from IT strategy, IT architecture to a broader set of talent including cybersecurity that you mentioned earlier, data engineering but also design and IT complex program management. So we have really expanded the type of profiles that we need to respond to our client needs. So I think there's a question of how to attract, but also how to retain. Uh, and uh, we've all experienced a great resignation uh, movement. Uh, and in tech, I would say even more, because there is scarcity, structural scarcity of talent. We know that, for instance, in Europe uh, alone, by 2030, we lack 1.4 million um, people to take on uh, tech positions. So indeed, it's a big question for most of our clients. Uh, and why is that? Is it clear? So, I mean, first of all, we don't have women uh, in these uh, uh, professions. Huh? We have 17% uh, of the tech uh, positions are held by women, uh, which is obviously not the case in other functions like finance or marketing or even, um, I would say, almost general management position. We're going to have more women than we have in tech. So I believe, and that's what I'm advising uh, my clients, is to tap into diverse uh, talent pools to be um, able to attract uh, not only the diversity, but just the people that they need. Has your recruitment strategy changed over the years, particularly as you kind of move into these areas, these new areas? I think the big change is that we had to get more competent at hiring these talents because it's different profiles than, let's say, a business school graduate, which we've been hiring for almost a century. Because tech is a bit uh, specific, we do what we call cultivation, meaning we interview people, but not to really assess their skills, but to see if there is a match between their skills and their uh, expectations to see if there is a fit before we actually get into a proper recruiting process. I think this is very important because in some cases we have to convince the candidate that we can be an amazing place for them. And in, in other cases, it's more for us to be a bit more open uh, because the person definitely is, for instance, very technical and we need the soft skills to operate in a consulting firm. And then we need to make a leap of faith that we can upskill them on these dimensions, knowing that they are already amazing on other dimensions. So, you know, it's both supply and demand. In an ideal world, once you've got your star recruit, how do you keep hold of her or them? Because that's the key, isn't it? As you said, they can leave at any time. The number that really made me fall out of my chair was the fact that 50% of the women who are in a tech position leave their position before 35 years old. We've been investing a lot in parenthood, which, by the way, resonates a lot with the younger generation, men included. So we now have, a, in France, we have a, a maternity leave of 26 weeks uh, from the first child, and it's 12 weeks for... Uh, fathers or, or second parents. We're just really trying to invest in, in making it easier for, uh, for parents. I think it's also the, the, the feeling of belonging. And we are definitely investing not only in training on soft skills, for instance, you know, leadership skills, but also to foster the, the, the feeling of, of belonging initiatives where people get to know each other, where, where you can foster almost friendship 
uh, the workplace. And then mentoring, sponsoring, creating uh, internal support networks. I think it's really, really important. And finally, role models. Uh, if you get into an organization where there is no women or no black or no LGBTQ, it's difficult because you, you feel a little bit lonely. And we know that when people feel lonely, uh, they have much higher chances of uh, resigning at some point. What are some of the benefits of having a more diverse tech talent workforce for companies? So the business case for diversity was made decades ago, uh, both diversity that you can see, so gender diversity, bringing more women into tech, as well as diversity that you can't see, things like belonging, a culture of bringing your full self to work. On the diversity case, business results are, are improved and you're a more agile organization when you have multiple points of view that come from our experiences. Once you've got that diverse workforce, how do you keep it? Yeah, so one of the first things that we hear, particularly from women in tech, uh, that I didn't say prior, is it requires women to attract women into technology. Human nature says we want to see someone like ourselves. So in our experience at Manpower Group, if we want to recruit females into technology, we have female recruiters. And we find our, our success rate is much higher when we have someone that looks like us that's doing the recruiting. Same thing goes when they get inside the company, creating this support network of people, whether it's women or people of color, um, the support network so you can work with and see someone who looks like you and has your background and experiences. That's crucial in terms of both attracting and retaining. And the final thing that we've learned through our research is the opportunity to grow. In the tech space, it is a requirement. They want to be on the leading edge of what's new in technology. They want to be pioneers. Um, this is part of the type of person that's attracted to the space, providing them the opportunity to continually grow and develop. Both their skills and their career is essential. Because currently, a high proportion of women who move into the tech world leaves. What will change that? What will turn that, that tide? We have to become bolder about bringing our full life into the conversation because that will create the openness and the belief that I can be a great partner, a great mother, and a great employee. Well, that is all I'm afraid for this episode of Tech 15, brought to you by Manpower Group. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out our other episodes to find out how technology and talent will power the world of work and human resources.